It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornsheen. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornsheen. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm so excited that you're tuning in. I am here in the studio with my good friend, Dr. Steve Ford, and we have got a very special program ahead of us today. Dr. Ford, so glad to be with you, my friend. Oh, thank you, John. Always great to be here. This is a very interesting and very timely discussion that we have today. And I think there's a a lot of concern, a lot of fear, and a lot of wondering exactly uh, what the approach is as a disciple of Jesus Christ in the times of which we live and how to mm-hmm. honor our Heavenly Father um, as uh, citizens of heaven, but also as citizens of the country where we, where we reside. That's right. That's right. And I, I know that you have been faithfully listening over the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about Israel and prophecy. And so we were creating this bridge conversation that was supposed to lead to today's broadcast, really breaking down about a hundred different prophecies that are still to come, unfulfilled prophecies. And and that's what we see scripturally. There are so many prophecies that have already been perfectly fulfilled at exactly the time that they were declared and the exact way they were declared. And then we look forward to see that there are still many unfulfilled ones, but give us great hope knowing that because Scripture has never missed a prophecy in that precision, that these prophecies will come to pass exactly as foretold. So we have that program for you forthcoming. We're going to get to that one next week. That's right. We're going to push that one down one more week because we have a very... Uh, pressing discussion for us ahead today. Uh, We've had a number of individuals that have been reaching out to us talking about some of the concerns going on globally. And already maybe I've gotten your attention because if you've been consuming any of the media as of late, uh, whether you're watching the news or you're scrolling through your phone, you know that there are a number of pressing issues that create a great deal of anxiety, consternation, even in a believer. And it shouldn't be that way. We are surrounded by uh, this lack of certainty. Uncertainty seems to fill the airways, right? The, whether or not a, a debt bill, a debt ceiling increase will occur and all these sort of things, uh, give it into what's going on with the World Health Organization or the World Economic Forums and all sorts of these matters that are pressing all around us. And so we've got a number of questions that have been coming in. And I believe that what we're talking about today still fits in nicely with what we've been talking about, about the sovereign God of the universe who is executing everything to precision and has at no point taken that position where he is not in control. He is still sitting on his throne. He is still very much in control. He's the one who raises up kings and takes them down, according to Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. And his the heart of the kings, for this matter, are very much in his hands, according to Proverbs 21, 1 to 9. So we want to talk about today of what it means to be against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Where do we get that from? Well, that's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We read, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So again, we can see a man or woman rise to a position of power 
and they may receive our undivided attention. Look what that person is doing. And we have to remember that behind the scenes, there's a lot of things going on, light in contrast to darkness and so forth. But at the end of it all, there is still a sovereign, holy, omnipotent, omnipresent God who reigns over all the affairs of the world and is executing everything as he has already told us will be. He gave us 18 prophetic books of scripture so that we would know these things and not give in to consternation. In fact, I love when Isaiah, we see revealed to Hezekiah, saying that these things would unfold. This was a hundred years before Israel would go into captivity in Babylon. He was already prophesying and telling him that his descendants would be taken off to Babylon. And Hezekiah's response is perfect. He says then he's only celebrating that while he has the moment, truth would prevail. While there was breath still in his body, while he had the opportunity to serve faithfully, that's exactly what he would do because revealing of, of what the future events would be was fundamentally transforming who he was in the now. And that's the way it should be for all of us, that if we talk about future events, but it has no effect on us presently, then what good is it? We are to be soldiers who don't put deep roots into this present world. We are of another kingdom. We represent a better king, and we have to stop getting so worried when our money might be at risk, when our comfortable living might be somewhat uh, agitated a bit, because this is not the final kingdom, and the Lord has constantly warned us over and over again, in this world you will go through adversity, but take hope, he has already overcome the world. That's what we want to talk to you about today. Yeah, once again, we find that Jesus does not give us suggestions. Jesus gives us commands. That's right. So forgetting about even our 401ks, our investments, those sorts of things, he's saying, don't even worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on. Even, Mm. you know, the things that we consider to be necessities like that, he says, you need to trust me for everything that's happening in your life, even the most minute detail. Yeah. Everything. I mean, we have to think differently. And so often, Dr. Ford, we were talking before the program that Israelites were taken, well, specifically Judah, Judah and Benjamin of the southern tribes. They, as a split kingdom, we know that the 10 tribes of the north were sent under Assyrian oppression, scattered, some taken captive and so forth around 722 B.C., By the hand of the Assyrians, and their capital was Nineveh. We know a great deal of Nineveh from Jonah and Nahum, right? And the Lord's patience, even that 150 years after repentance of a people group who were wickedly wild. Uh, I mean, they were just given in all sorts of sensations and and horribly evil toward those who they oppressed. I mean, they would skin their enemies alive. Horrible things about the Assyrians. And then the Babylonians, they come in and take the southern kingdom. And we see that's Judah and Benjamin. And for a 100 years, it had been prophesied to them this was going to happen. And they are taken into captivity into Babylon because that's exactly what they wanted. The people were worshiping the false gods of Babylon. They were thinking like the Babylonians. There was 50 temples in Babylon. And, of course, their chief god, and I won't even say his name because I don't want to give him credit. It's only about the true god of heaven and earth. Amen. But we, we know what happened there. They were thinking like Babylon, acting like Babylon. So God gave them over to Babylon. <laughs> and that's exactly what he tells us in Romans chapter 1. You keep wanting the things of your flesh. And I will turn you over to a debased mind. This is a judgment of God. And we're seeing that happen 
all around us is God doing exactly what he's already told us that he would do. And we find this in Ezekiel. In fact, Ezekiel chapter 14, down to verse 13, he says, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. So we need to stop being surprised when it seems like everything around us is being challenged and is being made difficult because these are the ramifications when we turn away from God. His principles were clear. His commands were given. And we as a nation, even when we've been so blessed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh, the true God of heaven and earth, who has blessed this nation over and over again, and yet we keep throwing up hands of immorality before him and blaspheming his holy name and then wondering why there's consequences. This should not be. It's quite evident, right? Yeah, all we really need to do is read the book of Judges. I mean, it's it's almost almost a painful read, you know, (laughs) because here they go ahead and they sin and then redemption and they're back and then they sin and, you know, but just it shows, uh, you know, God's his his love and uh, his perseverance with us, his patience. Um, and I think it's a great example of the times that we're living in today, but we just, we need to take note that this is, God is unchangeable. This is the way God works. Mm -hmm. If you're going to ask for something like that, eventually you're going to get what you're asking for. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. And and, you know, the one verse that comes to mind in this as well is we read in James and he says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And and that's a powerful reminder. We've talked about praying. How do you pray in, in a culture like what we're facing today? What are we to do about these matters? And what we find there is it's quite clear of a righteous man availeth much. We want to turn to prayer, and I believe that many of us do, but I don't believe we're anywhere near what Daniel did. I mean, right. he prayed three times a day, even when his life was on the line, because that's how he drew strength. That's how he was a man of uncompromising character in the throes of Babylon. He, he dwelt there 80 years as a as a stranger in a foreign land, growing up there, the Lord giving him great Uh, just favor. I mean, every time the administration changed, here's Daniel, who's unchanging, constantly being a voice of God to those leaders. And yes, even to the people, Ezekiel was, was preaching at the same time. So Ezekiel's down with the people. Daniel's there in the administration side. God has a voice on both sides. He's making sure that Israel's well cared for, even in their 70 years of captivity. God always had a plan on this. We're talking about that. We could probably spend hours (laughs) just talking about how all of that unfolded perfectly that would lead ultimately to the Greek and the Romans and, and, you know, this, this, Pax Romana that would enable the gospel to go out to all the nations of the earth, everything perfectly planned by God, even in the midst of their persecution. But the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availing much, I think that's one of the keys here that's often overlooked is the fact that the people were acting like Babylon. He turns them over to Babylon. And how often Christians start to look, think, and act like Babylon and wondering why their prayers aren't being heard. Babylon was always the the symbol of the world system, right, under Satan. It was always about Satan and his kingdom versus Christ and his kingdom. And so what Egypt was to Israel so often, Babylon is, is the image of the world system that we see come crashing to an end in Revelation 17. So what began there at the Tower of Babel, and it's spreading a false religion around the world, and we see that all coming to an end in Revelation 17. It's always been the birthplace of, of idol worship of pagan worship, of worshiping Satan ultimately. We have to be set apart. 
We can't entertain these things. We, we so often think like Babylon, act like Babylon, and wonder why our prayers don't seem to go above the ceiling. It is time that we be a people who do exactly what God has commanded us to do because the prophets kept saying the same thing. Repent. Turn away from the ways of the world. Be set apart. You're his holy people. And he calls us a royal priesthood. But he tells us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He goes on. I mean, just about every epistle of the New Testament stresses this, 2 Corinthians 6, 16 to 18, that we are a temple of the living God, that we're to be set apart, come out from the things of this world, that we're to be honorable before the Lord. 1 John 2, 15 to 17 says we're not to love anything in this world. We're to be undefiled. Joshua 24, 15, that we are to take a stand. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does that mean? Does it mean we look like Babylon six days out of the week and then suddenly maybe we give an hour to church on Sunday? That is not being set apart. No wonder we feel powerless so often when we pray. And Dr. Ford, I just had to think about this as we examine the culture at large. In 1 Kings 17.1, Elijah declares to King Ahab that there would be neither dew nor rain for three and a half years. It did not rain. Now, they're living in a time, mind you, when Elijah is confronting King Ahab, that their foundations were being destroyed. Spiritual apostasy, moral decay. The nation had abandoned God's laws. They turned to the worship of Baal, Baal, as we call him today. So all of this is going on. Elijah being a voice of God in the midst of all of this, as the church as a whole is supposed to be. And we're not talking about just the pastor on Sunday. We're talking about the whole church is supposed to rise up and be a voice of God, not arrogant and pride-filled and rude, haughty and so forth. No, we just be a voice of truth, constantly being light bearers in the dark places. And so Elijah was a common man like us. But he had an uncommon courage because he was filled by the Holy Spirit. He was a voice against the evil in the nation, unafraid to address these matters, even with the leaders. And when he prayed, he wasn't just pulling some random idea out of the air. Like, you know what I think fits the, the situation right now? We need not rain. We, let's just not have any <laughs> rain right now. That, that seems like that would fit the right occasion. No, he was praying the word of God. In fact, he was directly praying Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 16 to 17, and Deuteronomy 28, 23 to 24. That was the prescription of God when the people had lost their moorings, when they were given to blasphemy and thinking like Babylon and turning away from all the things of God. They had corrupted the Sabbath. They were robbing God of tithes and offerings and service. He was, a by, he was now a, a past thought rather than worshiping the God. And whatever worship they were going through was now completely synthetic and superficial. They were not rending their hearts. It was time to rend their hearts. And so as Elijah is, is crying out in this way, all he was doing was praying God's word that they were to see that there was going to be no longer rain from heaven. Because that was a prescription by way of the law. So when, when going back even to the time when Jesus was confronted, Satan is confronting him, trying to get Jesus to stumble. And Jesus refuted him with the laws of God. 
He cited from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13 and 16 and Deuteronomy 8, 3. Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy more than any other book in the Bible. At that time, obviously, it was only the Old Testament as he was deriving from that, specifically countering anything of Satan with the words from Deuteronomy. And I've personally counted at least 24 citations from Jesus from the book of Deuteronomy. Wow. So he was going right back. Here is the word I spoke then. It still holds true today. So why Deuteronomy? Well, if you go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, he says, For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And I, I want to delineate here, Dr. Ford, the fact that we as believers – the law is no longer against us, right? It was nailed to the cross, according to Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. It doesn't mean that we now turn to this freedom of whatever we want to do. No, we're now a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the laws of God are now within us to direct us that we're mindful of how we conduct ourselves in everything, not because it was chiseled on stone, but because the living God dwells within us. There were 1,236 commands that were given in the New Testament, often repeated. We even see nine of the Ten, ten Commandments that are repeated in those instructions in the New Testament. So it's not that we're without law, quite the contrary. And that's what Paul talked about a great deal in Romans chapter 2 all the way to 7 of how the law interacts even with the believer. But what we need to understand here is that although the ordinances that were against us were nailed to the cross for the believer— we have to understand here for the world and its leaders, they are still under the consequences of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, i.e. they are still under the law. So even though the law was given to Moses and implemented through God's people, which became the standards of all law, I mean, you're talking about all godlessness that was running amuck across the face of the earth. We think that just because people start enacting laws and doing good things, that somehow that was organic to the evolution of a society. Rather, it was the word of God infused at the bedrock of a society that brought about anything good at all, right? So the nations knew the God of Israel, right? So they knew the God of Israel. Let me remind our listener of that. Joshua 9, 9 says, so they said to him, from a very far country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord, your God, for we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. People knew. And in fact, they came to the temple from around the world in first Kings chapter four, verse 34, and first Kings 10, 23 to 27, to hear even the wisdom of Solomon and to worship his God. Ezekiel 18 talked about how God would judge men accordingly, and Isaiah 55 reveals how the foreigners would follow the true God of heaven and earth and even keep his commandments, and thus they would live. So we also see this clearly outlined in Romans, again, chapters 1 to 7, specifically in Romans chapter 2, 14 to 16, and Revelation chapter 20, 11 to 15, that all men are under the laws of God because his laws define sin. And the only way out from under the burden of the law and the consequences of death is through Jesus Christ. That's it. According to Romans 8, 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. That's the only way out from underneath the burden of the law and the consequences of death. The wages of sin is death. That means they are under that law. Therefore, they're under the jurisdiction of the law. And so, therefore, knowing the word of God is what's critical in all of this. Right. Therefore, you pray the word of God, not just because you feel a certain way about something. 
The Lord used Deuteronomy. Elijah right. used Deuteronomy. So guess what I did? <laughs> I went back to Deuteronomy. And I started awesome. reading again and say, okay, this world is under the jurisdiction of this. If they do this, then this is the response. Deuteronomy 28, if you do what God says, there's many blessings. If you don't do what he says, here are the consequences. It's clearly spelled out there. So when we start getting very concerned, and rightfully so, about what's going on in this world, and especially when we talk about the World Health Organization, we start talking about the World Economic Forum and all these things that they're conceiving and contriving and the schemes and plannings of men that are blasphemous to God, trying to bring the world under one world government, trying to usurp any sovereignties of nations, and, and trying to, in essence, it seems like setting the stage would ultimately be a one world government under the Antichrist. When we feel these things, and we're probably some healthy perceptions in that, What's the right response, right? Response, of course, is to let your voice be heard in a reasonable forum. Don't be shying away from these issues. Talk about these matters, but know the word of God. Know why it's wrong. Don't just feel like it's wrong. Know why it's wrong. Go to the word of God, especially when we see such immorality brewing up in our nation today, and we see Christians being relatively silent on these matters. And then when there's momentum, when, oh, a beer company starts suffering financially or or certain retail outlets start suffering financially, oh, then we see some Christians start to get into the throes of this thing. Why are they waiting for that kind of momentum? We need to be a bold voice of what is right, just like Elijah standing alone at times to say what is right. And I don't think that we then as believers can just sit by idly and do nothing while drag queens do grotesque things in front of children at schools and libraries. We cannot stand idly by as congressional leaders or even our president might advocate for the murder of babies. You just can't sit by on that. You've got to be yeah. a voice of reason in this. We can't stand by idly while marriage is being eroded and sexual immorality is being perpetuated and even given a month dedicated to it. We're calling evil good and good evil and then celebrating those who elevate sin, as we see in Isaiah chapter 5 and Romans 1. And we know quite clearly of 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10, that God has already delineated that when those who love the darkness and perpetuate it and keep celebrating these things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. The only hope for all of man is under Jesus Christ and his total authority in our lives. He becomes Lord of our lives, not just a concept that we talk about. He is Lord, King Jesus. And it begins today, not just when his millennial kingdom starts. It's right now over our lives. We have to pray for those in authority. It's the right thing to do, First Timothy 2.2. 2. But we do need the Dietrich Bonhoeffers to emerge. We've got to be bolder with our praying, bolder with our faith. And, and that's why I believe, Dr. Ford, that maybe in our final two minutes here, maybe we can just, just pray yeah. something to that effect. I know you've, you've been listening so patiently to me just kind of going on and on in a passionate way about this. Uh, but I, I did, uh, I, I did want to spend a little time in prayer. And, and maybe a prayer like this will encourage our listener to pray with that kind of boldness, praying Deuteronomy, praying the words of God, not just being bothered by something and then talking about it with their friends and like water cooler talk. That's not going to change things. Elijah, one man could pray and suddenly a nation was changed. Yes, we can pray, but it takes the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person to pray like that. So let me, in just our minute in closing here, let me just say a prayer. And I, I believe the Lord would lift you up with one accord, maybe a united as one voice before God in this. Father, we lift our voices and cry to you right now for your help, 
for the justice in America. We ask you, Father, first and foremost, that if there are any unrighteous politicians in America who could still be saved from, from the local town level to the highest levels of government, we ask that you would save them. Wake up their minds and their hearts to see the horrors of every sin that they're involved in. Convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment. Show them that Jesus Christ, our King, He's the only way, the truth, and the life, that we cannot deny His existence. I pray, Father, that there would be repentance, heartfelt, gut-wrenching repentance from coast to coast in this land. Give everyone to a, a burden that they would bend their knee before the holy God of the universe. I pray, Father, that they would seek then to make right everything that's been done wrong. I pray, Father, they would go out of their way to do the right things. Father, I pray, though, that those who are still wicked and perpetuating wickedness, that you would expose their evil deeds. Let the truth be heard from coast to coast. I pray you'd even use the media outlets against those who have perpetuated evil. Hinder their evil plans. Remove their resources. Let them be turned over to chaos. Let those who would elevate you then be put into positions of authority, not just across America, but around the world, Lord. Not that we would just ease our final days, but rather that, Lord, revival would break out across this nation and around the world. Lord, we pray, Psalm 109, verse 8, that those who are in opposition to you, Father, let their days be few, let another take their office. Father, we ask that you would move mightily across this nation from every city council, school board, every office, even at a local level, all the way through to our mayors, our governors, our congressional leaders, yes, even to the office of the President of the United States, and even, yes, around the world, Lord, we ask that you would move mightily. Father, we thank you. We depend on you, that you are the giver of all good things. You are the giver of even righteous leaders, because if the hearts of the people are turned to you, then you will give us shepherds who honor you. Let us rise up. Let us vote your will. Let us depend on you. Let us do everything we can as the body of Christ to be a voice of truth and reason in a culture of chaos. Lord, we can do nothing without you. We praise you. We depend on you. Father, please heal our land. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. I hope you've been encouraged, brothers and sisters, as you listen to all of the program. If you missed any of it today, please go to calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to see you there. Again, learn more at calvaryfountain.com. God bless you. Take care.